0: The show versus tell man, I, I want to have a good impact on the world and I want them to look at me and and, and look back on me. I'm like we're documenting this like they could watch this in 15 years. This is something that they could like watch. So I want them to see my character and how I carry myself and have that be an example for them, you know, hoping for the better.
1: Is our perception our reality? Welcome back to the ambitious life podcast. This is your host, Dusty DeGroff. This episode was with Eric Clark and we left no stone unturned in a wide ranging conversation. We chatted about being a father and a husband, what it's like to meet Gary B, and how to take side hustling to another level. He's got a day job, two podcasts, a hunting app, and a digital marketing agency. Eric talks about how he loves to tinker and test new products. And he believes that our perception is our reality. I can't wait for you to hear this. If you like this podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes out every Thursday. And if you find this podcast useful, please leave a review to let me know how I'm doing. Thanks for listening. Here we go. As dads, we have a ton of priorities that pull us in many different directions. We are not alone in this. And because of that, we should share what works and what doesn't work. We need to be our best selves first we can be the best husbands and dads that we can be. The best way to share these tips is through the Ambitious Life podcast. My guest today is Eric Clark, and he is a technology consultant, creative marketer, micro content marketing machine, whitetail hunting enthusiast, tech founder, outdoor podcaster, dad and husband. That is a mouthful. Welcome, sir.
0: Hey, thanks. This is fun. I always like being on the other side of the chair, so. <laughs> the <other side laughs> I know. The-
1: I feel I feel a little nervous because you're much more seasoned than I am, but it, it'll be fun. So, like I said, it was a mouthful. Tell the people a little bit more about what each one of those is and how you've got to that, and we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, thanks. Uh, technology consultant by day. Uh, during the day, I have a day job. Uh, yeah, so, technology and cybersecurity and Um, You know, technology as a service for other businesses. And uh, creative marketer just runs through my veins. Uh, I worked for a marketing agency when I was young for like a decade and learned a lot there. Um, And took a lot of that with me. I got a degree in graphic design and web media. So I found a home for some of that creativity, which was cool. I wanted a digital trade skill in our modern era. Um, So that's that. And then micro content marketing machine. I got to meet Gary Vaynerchuk in April of 2019. and got to see how the sausage was made, how Team Gary V puts all their stuff together and kind of seeing how that happens, having been podcasting for almost a decade now um, with my graphic design skills and on having all this equipment, I thought, well, what's a good way to like distill all that down? And so that's kind of where that came from. So now I do micro content marketing as a service. Uh, so I have a small agency doing that. And um, I love hunting whitetails. So come fall, be <laughs> so I'm not doing much anything other than chasing whitetails in the woods. and because I love doing that so much, I uh, found some issues in that arena that I thought I could solve. So I uh, built a GPS hunting app that helps hunters identify occupied and unoccupied hunting land to help inform their hunts and distribute the hunting population so they're not on top of each other, creating a safer environment, but also a better use of time. That's uh, that's it and I have two kids and a beautiful wife and if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't do any of these things. It's just, uh, I told her I had to go do a podcast and she's like, what? she's like you did that yesterday (laughs) exactly yeah
1: (laughs) well that's awesome and so do you use rifle or bow when you're hunting
0: oh yeah both i um was introduced to hunting with a shotgun and then i eventually bought myself a rifle and uh then eventually somewhere along the way my dad uh, gave me a hand-me-down bow and i outfitted that with some new um accessories and i didn't care much for it then and now it's like it is a problem of an obsession. So like
1: problem of a, of I spend a, a
0: lot of time bow hunting.
1: Well, I I've just I have some good friends that that bow hunt and they they're trying to get me into it. So it didn't happen this past fall, pandemic for one of the reasons, but hopefully next fall I want to go for some, you know, bigger animal. I love game meat, I love elk things like that. So we'll we'll see if uh I can come up there and, and hunt with you a little
0: bit. It's a good time. We have lots of spots. I'm a public land hunter, so I don't have private land and the public stuff is a challenge, man. It's a it's a tough game.
1: That's that's what I've heard. So you are a busy, busy guy. How do you keep it all straight?
0: I don't I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> uh I evaluate things at least twice a year. I go to a whiteboard I draw actual like pictures of buckets and I draw the things that are in each bucket Um, and then I stand back and look at it and I talk to my wife and I say what do I need to cut what can I condense Um, what needs more and we try to like figure out how to reshuffle all the BS I'm working on Um, that's usually a pretty freeing feeling when it's kind of like doing a budget you suddenly feel freer having done one Uh, so that's good to take inventory of the things I have and figure out where my focus should be. I um, have great focus when I'm on a a task, but I also seem to have like everybody else in this world, ADD or something. So I do find some joy in bouncing from thing to thing because I'll get inevitably bored on one. So then I can just take that energy and park it somewhere else. So it's like a, I'm a hub and there's a lot of spokes around me and I'm just spinning in circles. (laughs) And, uh, but I believe in systems too. So I do try to create systems for things and Oftentimes I'll leap before I look and then I try to figure out the system as I go. Uh, and once I get past this like critical mass point, then I can kind of breathe easy. So I'm in one of those transitions right now where I'm doing probably too much. It's going to be a little difficult for a little while until I get through. I want the system to be built. So yeah, I'll front load a lot of it and then come out the other end and hopefully it'll be smoother, but I also have help. So most of the things I'm working on that I mentioned, uh, I have a co-founder with or partners or what have you. So. There's a lot of things that I'm no longer doing by myself anymore.
1: Gotcha. So it's not completely on you. Cause I'm just sitting here going, you know, I have this, I have my day job and then I have my family and I don't feel like I have enough time. And then I listen to everything you got going on. And I was like, how does he do it all? So do you time block or is it just, you know, what does your, what does your day look like?
0: It's, there's a lot coming at me in a day. So like if I were to open up my text messages on my phone, um, I have a string of text messages that ran through the entire day for my CTO for the Where to Hunt app. I have um, my co-founder for OKS Hunter who messaged me about some of the tax stuff he's taken care of. Uh, and we had like a winner for our giveaway, so he's like ordering the shirt for that person and the, all the products. Um, my podcast co- uh, co-host messaged me to follow up with a guest that he booked for a few weeks from now. Um, my wife, what do you want for lunch? You want to come down and hang out with the kids? I mean, stuff just is coming at me uh, at all times. So I, I try to do my best to just respond to the things as I can. And then I, I, don't, I maximize the time that I have on the wake, honestly. When I'm up, I'm doing stuff. So even my lunch today, I interviewed somebody for my new podcast over my uh, one-hour lunch break. So instead I'm of sure. eating, I was working.
1: <laughs> so, so what does eating look like then if you're, if you're hosting a podcast when you should be eating?
0: Yeah. I just went down uh, in between the end of my day job and this and had a bowl of cereal and here I am. So
1: love it. Love it, man. Yeah, And that's the thing is just like juggling it and, yeah. and, and figuring it out as we go. So one of the questions I love to ask is, you know, with everything going on and kind of thinking of for us to be at our best, our best selves to be dad, husband, and then everything else you got going on. Do you have a mindfulness or meditation practice?
0: Every time I think about mindfulness or meditation it makes my spine itch i can't do it i've tried i can't i've heard gary vaynerchuk talk about this he's one of the few people i can relate to he says something along the lines of i like who i am it's worked for me i've been successful he's not knocking those things in any regard whatsoever but he's stating that if i do that and i change myself then what if i ruin the thing that's my superpower yeah i'm kind of with him on that I also can't still, like, so I find meditation mostly in hunting and running. Um, so winter is hard for me because I don't run. I only like to run outside and I'm not hunting. So I used to ice fish. That was quiet time on the ice instead of a shanty, like yeah. jigging a rod for fish. That That's something uh, I don't have that. I've been doing that. So it, like right now, it's not much. I'm not doing much at all. But if I think about like the Calm app or like sitting there and just being, I, I can't. It just... It makes me it crazy. Work. I'm like, I should be getting something done. I This is stupid. So I, I, um, I can't get my brain to get there. It's too weird for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I, and, and, and that's one of those things too, that I've heard from certain people and I've heard, I know that, you know, what got me into meditation was listening to Tim Ferriss's podcast all those years ago. And he, he talks about that edge that you feel like I could lose my superpower, you know, and, and I get that, but I also look at it like, if everything's working, why add something else? Why derail what is already going so well? So I could see that.
0: Yeah. No, I, I wish I could. A few of my friends are into it and they've, you know, one of them's a, a psychology major and a smart guy. And so I trust him and I believe him. And I, I'm like, I just can't get there, man. I, I just can't. It doesn't make sense to me. But like, the, the, yeah. it's so much so like the question as a kid growing up in third grade, I remember my teacher who would you want to be for a day? And I never can answer the question. I still can't. No one. I want to be myself. It like didn't even compute to me that I would want to be somebody else. I'm like, that makes sense. What do you mean? Why would I do that? And they're like, well, just pretend. I'm like, no, I can't pretend. That's stupid. So like, I just never, I've learned there's just certain things that my brain just won't do for me. So,
1: Well, Hey man, I actually think that that's a beautiful place to be that, you know, you know, you're happy with you and everything is working well with that. Then why search out some other answer
0: so i don't know improvement i'm still, but i am i do love the idea of improvement and if that's a thing then okay. i'd like that's why i flirted with it but i just i just can't get it to work yet
1: yeah well maybe if you you know pawn off one of these projects you have eventually you'll have a little bit more time because time yeah. is you know of the essence and, and you are obviously very busy so what's something that you've failed at
0: uh gosh a bunch of stuff uh, I went back to school when I was some 30, I'm going to be 35 in like less than a month. So almost 10 years ago, I made the choice to go back to school, um, full time. And so I was working full time. I had bills to pay, so I didn't, I couldn't like stop working, but I wanted to, you know, get my degree. So I did. And I thought, because I was working with so many entrepreneurs that I thought I should go into business, um, like school for business and I hit accounting and I've never tried so hard at something and also then failed so miserably. I tried so hard. I sought out help from my professor, from uh, a relative that owns an accounting firm. <laughs> I was on YouTube all night long, studying and studying. I, got t- I went to see a tutor. I did everything. I tried my damnedest, and I just couldn't get there. And I, It was at that point when I learned it's just something I'm not strong at. Like I'm not stupid. But that made me feel stupid. I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. And so it was at that point where I was like, this isn't, I can't do this. My brain isn't wired this way. So then it was at the point when I learned that like I wanted to focus on my strengths and punt the things that I wasn't going to be good at and that putting energy into trying so hard to not move the needle at all. So I failed at accounting (laughs) and I switched my major. Um, I failed at selling my my, uh, app for a hundred grand. I failed at that. Um, I, you know, there's, there's a lot of things. Um, I failed at trying to start a logo design agency. I failed at trying to start a social social media, uh, ad agency. Um, I try a lot and fail a lot. So it's gotten me to a point where I'm getting better and hone more honed in on what I think I'm better at. And you
1: just kind of like led into the next thing I was curious about, you know, for what you've learned from those failures. And the quick answer is that you've learned you know what you're really good at and what you're not so good at
0: yeah what I'm good at and what I like and where I enjoy spending my time and where those two things really combine is where I think it's a force multiplier Um, it's like I don't know someone told me the other day (laughs) I met this person in in an incubator um, in January of 2020 before COVID happened so it's a a year-ish ago right yeah and We became to be much closer friends Uh, in March. We started working on some things as the pandemic started to take hold. And instead of six months, we accomplished like incredible things, incredible things. And he's like, dude, I've seen you accomplish more in six months than you can imagine. Like, I don't know why you're not seeing it. You should believe in yourself. Like, if you think you can't do something in six months, you are out of your mind. Do you need to hold up a mirror to you or something? Like, what do I need to do to get you to see how other people see you? And I'm like, oh, interesting. So." Yeah, that was like putting my strengths together and really leaning into something. So And that's
1: something interesting you said there, where, you know, why do we it's something that I'm working through as, as well. And and I know you've posted about imposter syndrome and things like that, but it's like, why do others believe in us more than we do? Why why is that a thing?
0: Yeah. Our my friend says something like this. He says, Our perception is our reality. Um, how we perceive ourselves is sometimes the reality in which we think we live in. And you look at someone else and you just forget that they're a human that has to like struggle with the alarm going off and going, okay, I'm going to sleep in or I'm going to get up. Whether, and it's not easy. <laughs> and some people just assume, well, like I get up for every day, it must be easy. It probably isn't. So you see other people going through things and you just assume that that's the thing. Of course, they're good at that. Of course, they can do those things. Of course, they're good at math. Um, you know, whatever. And then you look at yourself and you just think, every, I'm drowning and everything's an effing struggle. Um, but someone else might look at me like, oh my gosh, this guy is doing all of these things. He's a maniac. And I just don't see it that way. Um, you hear yep. about this with actors and actresses and people that have millions of dollars in big businesses and they just still think they're not there yet.
1: It, it, it's interesting. And I think you, you said it well there that, you know, you, your perception is your reality. And what looks very hard to us is there's probably struggles with them. I know that for a while there I was getting up at 4 30 every morning and, and people looked at me like I was crazy and it was just what I did. Uh, and now I don't do it just because I'm trying to get a little bit more sleep um, to be more productive throughout the day. But again, I, I think that that's a great point. So what's something you're curious about right now?
0: Oh boy, uh, a lot of stuff. I'm I've, I've you know made, some productization or some products out of services in my day job. And I'm finally seeing those things come to fruition. Uh, and it's been a year and a half in the making. And so it was my brainchild that like I my concept and idea and I went to leadership and I said, I think we should do these things. And I like, great, well then do it. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I like designed it and built it. And like then I had some help on the pricing side because of course like numbers aren't my thing. Um, <laughs> and then we put it out to the market and like it just didn't move, but it it took it took time, and so yeah. now that time has elapsed and now it's finally happening. So now, for a while you talk about what what I thought I failed at. If you would ask me what I failed at, a couple of months ago I would have said that was a failure, but it just needed more time to cook, and so now I see that as a success. And I'm going oh my gosh. So where I'm curious about is doing that same thing for myself with my new business X Influence and trying to listen to the market and fine tune our offering and products it catches. And I'm like obsessed with that testing and tinkering right now to get it just right so it can go. Um, I'm also very genuinely interested in storytelling. I'm not a good storyteller. Uh, often when I tell stories, you don't know what the hell's going on. There was no point to it. My daughter asked me to tell her stories that night and I talk about how I used to catch turtles when I was a kid and like there's no ending. I'm like and then I caught the turtle. And then it's like <laughs> there's no like lesson. There's no great outcome. I don't have disability and one of my co-founders he's a journalism major and he understands the anatomy of a story better than anybody I've met almost um and so he knows there's a component there's a beginning a middle and end. he understands the climactic part and how do I like, get attention and he can construct it well it's impressive and so as I'm doing this new podcast I'm I'm doing all the stuff and building the story in the arc and I, I literally have no clue what I'm doing I hope that the feedback that I get is this is a great story because I really am not sure that's the part I'm most concerned about and critiquing myself on so there's someone that goes by the name of Quentin Alums he's on LinkedIn he's a TEDx speaker he goes by Q okay. and I really kind of took some pages out of his playbook for my new podcast he has one called stupid deep and it's when I heard it I was like this is incredible it's amazing it was the best podcast I've heard in probably five years and so I'm you know picking his brain Q how how can I tell stories um picking Ryan's brain. How can I tell stories better? So I'm learning. I'm curious about these things. How can I productize my offering? I'm talking to entrepreneurs. Can you review my stuff? Can you let me know what you think? So I'm looking at people that are either where I'm going or where I'm trying to go or have been there and asking for that feedback. And people are pretty gracious about giving it that information to help.
1: You know, I've found that as well. And And you don't get what you don't ask for. And sometimes we're so nervous to ask that we never get it you know and if you just ask to go hey well how did you do this or how did you do that a lot of people to your point will answer those questions and i think that social media has given us that uh that avenue and you you know you've mentioned him as well gary v talks about just send you know okay you failed at sending dms you sent five send a thousand and see what happens you know and and so i think that that's really cool and and storytelling is probably the number one thing that we all need to be good at and you know the the common theme is story selling and and that is something that uh, I was actually earlier today on a story telling or webinar and it was just curious to think about how I tell my story and you know going into what I'm doing on LinkedIn and everything I'm continuing to do the same thing is learn how to tell my story and get better at that so that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I haven't cracked that one either. I'm still working on that too. I don't even know what my story is. I don't know what parts of people want to hear. There's a lot to talk about. Um, I often just resign to, well, no one cares, (laughs) you know, everyone cares about their own stuff, but people are very interested in consumption. People are very passive and I don't know. It's interesting. And then I wonder, well, why do I care that they want? I don't, do I really care for someone to watch me talk about my story? Do I want that? Like, do I want that exposure? Why do I want that exposure? Like, Is it because I want to feed my ego? Is it because I want to like land business? Is it because I want to help people? All of those things probably. Right.
1: Yep. Yep. And and I think that that's where, you know, the, the age we live in asking yourself those questions and making sure that you do it for the right reasons and whatever those reasons are for you is what really matters. So I think that that's um, such a great call out. And I, again, I'm just a curious person so I always want to know what everybody else is into these days and see if that, you know, if that's something that I should start looking into as well. So you threw it out there from a exercise workout, you know that was my thing for 13 plus years of my life was personal training and everything like that and so I try to work out every single day. You mentioned running and I think that's a great mindfulness thing but you don't do it in the winter which I get you're you're up north and it's cold. So what do you do for exercise in the winter then?
0: I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> COVID, screw that up. Um we we have some some health concerns in our family. Um taking COVID seriously is really hard to do. Um you can't see it. It's hard to believe in it. I've not gotten it. I know people that have, uh, I know people that haven't, and and like, we know people have lost their lives to it. Our, our, the, um, priest that married us lost his life to COVID. Uh, He's young and he, uh, baptized our daughter. He wed us, he baptized our niece and nephew. We'd see him every Sunday. Like he's dead. You know, like that's real, you know, and that's like in our backyard almost quite literally. So, um, in serious and the gym is like not a great place to go. And, um, you know, and being a dad and, and, all this stuff going on. It's like just a challenging time. So um, I realized that this is an excuse that I could very well just get up and do some version of P90X from Beachbody on my TV in my living room. Uh, I could do push-ups and pull-ups and I have dumbbells, Like, but I'm not doing those things because I have an all or nothing mindset. So if I'm going to work out, I want to go to the gym and I want to lift real weights and do it the right way. And if I'm going to run, I want to run outside without a shirt on because I hate the chafing. Uh, yeah. and I love running in the extreme heat. Cause I think I'm pushing myself harder. So like the closer I come to passing out and puking, the better the workout was. Yep. If I can't do those things, eh, it's just stupid to me. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> ah, it's a weird bum. So it ebbs and flows for me. Um, I'm, I'm justifying the fact that look, if I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. And when I am, I'm going to, you know, so I usually last for six months before I fall off some training, you to play the nacho somewhere. So that's usually what does it for me.
1: No, I, I, I hear that man. And you know, it's one of those things too, that um, I understand that I'm in, well, one, because I did it for so long, I realized that I'm a, just a better human when I worked out. And I think my wife understands that I'm a better human after I have worked out. And so that's when I said, Hey, I'm going to go work out this afternoon before we jumped on this. She's like, okay, bye. Um, Now I also have been fortunate enough to build out a home gym because I totally get it where I had really light dumbbells. And after about a year of changing careers, I uh, went to my wife again and said, I'm either gonna go join a gym or we need some weights. And she was awesome and said, well, what weights do we need? So I have, a, I'm very, very fortunate. So I get that. What, is, what does the running look like when you're doing it? So you almost puke. So is that short and fast, <laughs> long long and slow?
0: I know, I'm just a struggle bus with most things that I do. I enjoy the solitude of running the time I get in my head. I hate everything else about it. I only like the after effect that I like felt like I did something and I feel good because I did something physical. I hate running. I hate the way my legs feel. I don't like the lung burn. I like not my jam. Um, so I run, I'll start, you know, in spring, once it's like warm enough, I'll start running in spring and I like to look at stuff when I'm running. So I like to run outside. I can't do the treadmill. I feel like a hamster and a wheel and I can't do that. So I will probably start like a mile, a mile and a half but I get really weird. So then I crank things up probably too fast. Every single time I do this, like so last summer I went from like one week running one mile and a half every other day. And then the next week I jumped up to three and then the following week I was at seven and like, that wasn't good because then my legs got all weird and I couldn't run cause they were too painful. Cause like the muscle around the front of your calf or whatever that is, got too tight and awkward. It's so, like the smallest, like that, like it would, I was like, don't touch yeah. my legs, you know? So, yeah. And everyone says, well, you have to take a break. I'm like, well, if I take a break, then I'm losing all the progress. Like, so I just get weird. So then I go back down like <laughs> the mile and a half and I go really easy peasy. So, it, and then it just kind of fluctuates back up again. I go through the same stuff. I don't know.
1: Well, you, you said the something interesting previously too about all or none. And that is something that I battle with as well. And that where I've started to realize that, hey, 70% all the time, is better than a hundred percent, 25% of the time. And I know that that's something where you're, you know, you're probably sitting there going, no way. I'd much rather be a hundred percent, but that's where the consistency piece, if you're at 70% five days a week over every year, you know, the entire year, I should say, um, you'll probably be better off, but it's hard, man. I get it.
0: Yeah. It's weird. My, I think I got this from my wife. I used to not be this way. I used to be the way you're talking about. I'm like, well, just I wouldn't wait till a Monday to start. If it was like Saturday afternoon, I was I would just start it that day. If it was raining, I would just go then because then I'm like, well, now I'm already two days ahead of schedule, so I'm gonna have better results because now I've like cheated, right? To myself, which <laughs> is a stupid way to think. Um, Dave Goggins talks about that. And I would just go do the thing and then I would just show up and show up and show up and show up and show up and, show up and chip away. But now life is just more complicated. It's funny how you would think I would think I would think I was busy when I was in my early twenties, I. That's not true compared to now.
1: That's it, interesting, isn't it? And just how time as we get old and then now as a, as a dad and things like that, um, I just, it, it's, I feel like I never have enough time. And uh, so what does your overall diet look like?
0: Cereal, right now. I, I, we did the, I don't know if you knew this, but I didn't know this uh what's his name um dr phil has a book on how to eat
1: i didn't know that
0: i wouldn't have assumed so because i wouldn't look at him as an exemplar of that but he's got lots of money and a research team so he's just like you know had the smart Let's people it. figured it out i did that diet for i think we just for like three or four months and the reason they stopped is it was too expensive to be quite honest we were spending over a thousand dollars a month on groceries for that what because it requires you to buy things that aren't traditional things. And all of the most helpful foods are like super expensive, like unsalted these nuts, unsalted those nuts, this type of like, I mean, it was nuts. Yeah. But your point about like, when you're working out, you're a better version of yourself. I to this day have never felt more mental clarity and better recall than when I was on that diet. And so it was like pretty mind blowing, not to mention at the time it was, it was winter when we did it, so I wasn't going to the gym per usual. And it just hasn't always been the case, but a more recent phenomenon. I lost like fifteen pounds or something. I didn't even know I had fifteen pounds to lose. And I didn't lift one single weight. So I was like, Oh my god, wait till I start getting back into shape in the gym on top of the side. This is gonna be freaking incredible. And it was. But at some point it just as things change, as I gain a new identity as a dad, learn how to be a father. You know, balance the workload with my wife. She became a stay-at-home mom. Like, there's just been this constant changing. We had a second kid. Now I have two. My wife's, you know, now she's full-time teaching again. Like, things just keep morphing and evolving. So it's really hard to keep that through line of these staple things. They keep getting sacrificed to make room for the other stuff. But this expanding and contracting of life that's happening that I'm constantly trying to figure out, but I always go back to these things because they're important to me. I just can't create a good enough foundation where it's a repeatable process.
1: Right, And it, I don't know what it is. You know, hearing how we started this conversation about your systems and everything like that, you wouldn't necessarily expect that, but you know, when it comes to diet or whatever else it might be, but that's just the trend, unfortunately. And where most people just get by with their diet, And for me, I keep it really, really simple. I like lean proteins, nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, and fats, and some carbohydrates. And that's really where I just try to keep it. And of course, I could do much, much better. But I see it all the time where people ebb and flow with diets. You know, and and really, it's like, try to just continue to, to to your point, like take one step at a time. Obviously the all or none mentality doesn't always help with that.
0: No, it's not great. Cause you inevitably set yourself up for failure and what you've lost or gained <laughs> will eventually be lost or gained. Um, I struggle with the, you know, there's principles in life. I understand the principles of marketing uh, crystal clear. I can't, you can't shake me from it. Um, I can always distill things down to principles. Um, there's best practices. I can't do it with food. It's super, like you just said, carbohydrates. I don't even know what, what rice, potatoes. I don't know. Good fats, bad fats, um, medium chain triglyceride. Like I took chemistry in college. That's another uh, shit show of a class for me. So like, it's not great. <laughs> there's just certain things. When things get to a certain level of detail, my brain stops and says, Nope, not going to spend my time with this. Um, yep. So I would rather pay someone else to just figure it out for me, build me the system. And then I'll just follow it. Like if I, I could live off of dog food if someone just put a bowl of dog food in front of me every day and that's all I had to eat. Like, I don't care. I'm not romantic about food. I don't give a crap. I was in the Marine Corps and it was like, you you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That was it. And you get what you get and you don't put up a fit and you literally like shovel the food in your mouth as fast as you can. It's energy and you move on with your day. So I don't have like a weird relationship with food, uh, but I just don't seem to like fully grasp like the core components and the principles behind it. The best version i ever had short of that like the outcome of that diet was great. But the best version of like a system. Before I got married, we hired a personal trainer, um, who's a maniac, by the way. I still am like talking to him. He's be- he's just a very beastly human. Um in the full sense, not even just the physique, just an interesting cat. But he's like, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna have scrambled eggs for breakfast, two of them, nothing on them. You cook them in the pan, you eat them. Done. I'm like, okay, I like that. Then at 10 o'clock, you're gonna have a up of peanut butter and a yogurt and then at this time you're gonna have a handful of almonds and at this time you're gonna have tuna and then and then but then like dinner was always the weird thing so we try to do like chicken right and I went through that for I don't know like half a year before getting married working out every single day like felt amazing I ran to and from the gym so like to get my workout I was running to the gym lifting running back home it was honestly some of the best shit my life and my wife was with me and that was part of the success is we were doing it together. She had her own eating plan, her own lifting plan, but we were doing it together, running to the gym, running home. And um, that was all before kids and everything, you know? Yes. So like, that can't totally. happen now. <laughs> Not at all. So,
1: I, I, I Hey man, I, I totally get it. and And that's where, what's funny is I actually want to go back in time and smack my 25 year old self. That was the personal trainer that was looking at people generally our age, as busy as we are, going, well, why can't you drink water? It's not hard. Why can't you eat X, Y, and Z? It's not difficult. I do it all the time. And now, I want, you know, 12 years, 13 years later, it's like, yeah, it's incredibly difficult because we have so many other priorities. And, and so again, I, I totally get it. Um, and I could always do better as well. I've, I've just, like I said, created a gym in my house. Um, and one of the things that I just did as well is our basement's being refinished. So the gym went from the basement to the garage. And it is, you know, it
0: was in habit. cold out there.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely was. But again, I'm just, I'm a little psychotic when it comes to the working out thing. I will fully admit that that is what I do six, seven days a week. So speaking of being busy, not having much time to sleep, you mentioned before we got on this that you were up to one o'clock, you know, producing things. Are you a coffee or a tea kind of guy?
0: Coffee, you yeah, know, I actually, but it's not because I don't like tea, I just. I just love coffee. Um, Amen. Tea, I don't know. I don't know if is actually better for you. I think it's probably argued that it is, but I don't know. I don't have tea in this house. So I just do coffee. Uh, and I also have a sponsor for my podcast that sends me two bags of coffee every month. It's <laughs> really good. So I'm like, we're so, good. I love it. How <laughs> do you, how politics. do you take it? I read, I read okay. the um, Dave Osprey bulletproof diet. So I am the only remnant of that for me is the, is the uh, brain octane. And I do the, the, uh, Kerrygold grass-fed, no salted yeah. butter, add a little bit of cinnamon and I blend that up and uh, that's how I do my coffee. I just don't use their bulletproof coffee brand because it's like super expensive that's and expensive. I don't know if I totally believe in microtoxins. I'm not following it anywhere else in my life so like the coffee isn't going to save me.
1: No, I think that that's a great call there and, and so for anybody who has never had Kerrygold blended with coffee, they are absolutely missing out on the best cup of coffee. 100, yeah, hands when you down. put butter
0: in your coffee, you're like, "What?" The first time I heard it, and I was like, "Dude, that's gross." And then it feels creamy in your lips, but now I can't do milk at all. That it, it just isn't. That's gross. I can't do it.
1: Uh, I'm. I'm a. So back in college when I started drinking coffee, I made the decision that if I'm going to like co- coffee, I don't want it with anything. I better if I like, I got to like it just black, and espresso, and then anything else from there is just added on. And so that's how I pretty much do it to this day. I don't do the Bulletproof coffee as much anymore, even though pretty much only butter we have is Kerrygold. I'll tell you what though, there's something different about if you were to test it on an empty stomach and do just regular butter versus Kerrygold, you feel differently. Um, So Kerrygold is that much better.
0: If I do breakfast, I'll have eggs. I'll do two scrambled eggs still, um, like as I'm having the coffee. And then I won't eat till like noon or one. Um, but most mornings I don't have time, so I just go down, zap my coffee in the in the you know ninja or whatever it is, and and I drink that. And I have them am good till noon or one. I don't I just don't eat anything yeah. after that. It's just great. The caloric intake you get from it, it seems like it's sufficient. My brain's doing fine in the morning. So then well, I go I, down and get in, a second cup of coffee, and I'm like, let's start pouring on the <laughs> the crazy because yeah. the day's yeah. just getting good. <laughs> Let's do it.
1: And and one of those things too is, I do. That was actually why I was happy to move my workout from four a.m. to three four p.m. is because I could get back into doing just that schedule where I don't eat any calories until 11, 12, something like that. Now I again don't really do the butter anymore, just because I like to test and retest, and I'm a total nerd when it comes to stuff like that. So um, I I can appreciate what you're doing there. So. This is just a fun question that I like to ask. What is one piece of food that your kids leave on their plate that you will always eat?
0: Gosh, most of it, man. Like I think my my daughter had a PB and J sandwich, and she likes to have them cut out in shape. So today was a cat, and I yeah. went down, and she did not eat her cat PB and J. So I bit the leg off of it, and it was awesome.
1: Ah. Love it, love it. I'm a crust. My son always leaves pizza crust and he'll eat like the first piece, all of it. And then every piece after that, he'll save the crust for me. Um, I like to actually taste the mac and cheese prior to giving it to them when it's nice and hot. I don't want to eat cold mac and cheese, but I can appreciate that, man. So one of the things that I like to do, you know, again, moving from the personal training, the mental side, getting into the, the, the financial side, I always like to kind of dig into where people are at on that. So what is, you know, 2021's biggest financial goal for you?
0: Um, Well, we just finished up Financial Peace University uh, through Dave Ramsey. So before I met my wife, I was (laughs) debt-free and uh, on that program. And then, you know, we met and she had different beliefs and it took us a while to like align on those things. not in like a bad way. And so, um, you know, we have a bit of debt now um so we're working on paying that off in the last month and a half we paid off two credit cards cut them up uh had a little celebration about that yeah and we're hard charging at trying to knock out as much of that as we can so for those that don't know there's like seven steps step one is an emergency fund step two is pay off all of your debt not including your house um which is where we're at right now and so we have a bit of a bit of ways to go but it's gazelle intensity is what he says. And it's a snowball, um, effect. So you focus and aim all of your income, extra income, um, optimize your budget down as much as you can. And then, you know, try to pay up whatever it is in front of you, take the minimum payment on that. You're still making that. And then once that is paid off, you roll that minimum payment. And again, all that laser focused on the next one. And then that rolls up and so forth. So we now have rolled up uh, one with some sort of debt that wasn't a card. And then there's two cards. So now we have, three minimum payments rolled up to the next thing we're tackling and all of our intensity. So right with tax season around the corner, um, I got some commission bonuses from finishing up the year, you know, um, by hitting some goals. So we'll be able to put another like pretty large dent in the next couple of things we're working on. So that is the goal is to get to some sense of financial freedom. Um, I want to change our family tree. And so I'm a psycho. Dave Ramsey says he couldn't out earn his stupidity. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i'm probably that guy i always thought i could just order my stupidity because in the past that it always worked for me um that's not Absolutely. working anymore <laughs> i'm going crazy yep. so i'm like we need to pay this shit off that's how it's gonna go so our goal is to see how far we can get a number two there's a calculator that we use on dave ramsey's site financial peace and um it doesn't take into account the intensity and the extra income and stuff like that and it's really hard to like I don't know, massage the numbers or whatever. Uh, yep. So I think we can be done with it by twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four and be completely out of debt except for a house, Um awesome. would be incredible. You know, that changes things yeah. in a major way for a lot of reasons.
1: Absolutely. And so one of my favorite quotes I talk about it all the time I talk about it on, on, on this podcast uh, comes from Einstein. Okay, and he says it's you know the compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who under- understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. And so one of the things that I always talk about is when you know we earn it in the markets and we pay it with debts. So I think that that's amazing what you guys have as far as the goal and stuff like that. So just keep doing it, man. Stick to it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. They say the biggest wealth building tool is your income. If your income is tied up in paying things like a car payment, you did the math on the average car payment of, which I can't believe the average is like 500 that blows my mind Well, 500 every month times, I don't know, pick a number 20 years. And if you think about it, if you invested in the market, the compound interest on that, I talk about, well, who's going to have more money in that paradigm. So um, yeah, that's pretty motivating for me to, I'm not, I don't, I'm tired of giving my money to other people and thing and then making money on my money through interest. It's, it's just not something I need to be doing so.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, car payments if you can get a good deal on it then that's worth a conversation but paying cash is always going to to win and then with you know the way interest rates are right now they're just essentially giving away money for mortgages and and things like that so what's uh you, you kind of already alluded to this not that you knew this question because I don't like to send you guys any of these questions but you know do you like to live within your means or do you like to expand your means
0: I would prefer to live within my means my I wouldn't want. I'm like, I don't like throw my wife under the bus, but you know, I think we've done a couple of things before I would have been comfortable. But that being said, I don't know that I would have ever felt comfortable. So um, getting outside of that a little bit forced some uh, behaviors to like catch up a little bit. So it's really turned me into a bit of a beast when it comes to that, because part of it is a mental shift. I grew up uh, homeless and so I say that because I never thought I would be the kind of person that could. I never lived in a house when I was growing up. We had apartments and I lived in a car and like it, it just never dawned on me. Like my mom didn't get credit cards. We didn't have a new car. She couldn't buy one. She didn't have credit scores. She couldn't get a house. None of these things. So then I was just under that impression that like, well, I'm, I don't know how, no one's ever showed me these things. I never even thought it was possible. So when we were looking at houses, uh, we were pregnant with our daughter and our lease was coming up on our apartment and the rent was going up her family's like just go get a freaking house they're like wow i'm not gonna qualify for a house this seems like crazy and so the first one we looked at i was like offer we're not gonna get it like we and it was like a pile of crap house that had like foundational structural problems they need to have like a wow. structural engineer come look at it it had like a lead pipe going out to the street for the plumbing that was cracked it had like asbestos in the attic knob and tube wiring i mean it was like a <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a great location It was really cute blah blah, blah whatever yeah. um but I was like, no, no, let's get this house. And and I like didn't realize that I could do better than that. And I didn't need to settle on that house, but I was panicked about it. And I wanted to stay within our means. And that house probably would have screwed us in a major way, even though it was within our means. So we, you know, upped our budget, the market was crazy, and we got into a different house. And the timing was perfect because we got into it at such a time where we did nothing to it. We painted some walls, we put in a new floor in the kitchen, and we I think we net like netted like sixty grand or something Sweet. in equity instead of a year and a half. And then we just parlayed it into our other house. So it was a total lateral move. So now we're in a house that's like double the square footage in a community and district that we want, da da, da whatever. And it doesn't cost yeah. us any more. So yeah, out of our means, but then you know, you see how like suddenly it, it all changed. So it was interesting. It forced me into a different job with a different uh, tax bracket and income level. Um, I wouldn't have done that if I didn't do these things. I would have just stayed, 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 stayed. So
1: and I think there's something, you know, um, my business coach always talks about raising, you know, when you raise necessity, then you really fall in line. So you raised your necessity and then had to go get the the job and everything else. Uh what's so interesting is Gary V on the other side would, you know, hate on that because he, you know, then we all, all of a sudden have all these. Um, pressures on us to do things that we don't love to do. Now you're fortunate enough. That's to happening. Do.
0: That's why I'm trying to bridge the gap. And so now I do have this case <laughs> of golden handcuffs. So it's created a different problem, but I'm fully aware of it and it's my problem. <laughs> so. Exactly.
1: I love it. So on, uh, kind of on that note, but not really, but what do you value most?
0: Um, honestly, I cherish my family. I, I don't, I, like, my kids are, like, I would get teared up talking about their everything. You know, um, I've had some folks contradict me on that. Like, that shouldn't be your why. I can't comprehend that. You know, they say your why should be tied up in ego in any sense. And having your why be tied on your kids is dangerous and a slippery slope. I'm like, you must be smarter than me or not. I mean, it's one extreme or the other. I really don't understand that. Either I'm not getting it or, like, I'm right. I don't know. Um, but it's incredible, the the power that they have over how much I care for them, and how important they actually are, so they are behind a lot of, you know, what I'm doing, and, and I want to be there for them, so I want them to have a life that I didn't have, I, I want them to value some things in life that they should, like being nice to people, and being a good person, and respecting your elders, and I want to, like, raise good kids, so it's all, it's really important to me.
1: And I'm with you on that. Uh, now, maybe I've twisted it a little bit differently when, you know, I look at Kind of that legacy question that I want to leave them with the blueprint you know I always say that like I'm successful if I've raised two good young men and that's all I care about and the way to do that is to show you know like we can tell them how to act and treat others and things like that but actions speak louder than words so that's my why as well so I'm with you man
0: <laughs> yeah I'll have to tell you about. <laughs> yeah but yeah, yeah the, the show versus tell, man, I I want to have a good impact on the world and I want them to look at me and, and, and look back on me. Like we're documenting this like, like they could watch this in fifteen years. This it's, is something that they could like watch. So I want them to see my character and how I carry myself and have that be an example for them, you know, hopefully for the better.
1: Yeah, I mean that that's how we we've mentioned it many times, but you know that was what I gathered from Gary V. He had a video where this guy—I don't know if you ever saw this—where he just pour, you know, saw Gary Vee was in going to be a certain spot, drove down there and met him, and he was like, "I just started documenting, just so that my kids can see what I'm doing every day, so they can learn from it." And I I can really appreciate that, and we have it, so why not share it? So you, you've last couple questions here. You've kind of alluded to this, but you know, as you were growing up, it sounds like credit cards and, and debt and stuff like that was almost this thing that you, was a myth at, at that point that you learned really isn't a myth. So what is something in the financial realm that you thought was a myth, but once you got older, you realized wasn't?
0: Um, I'm not sure about myths per se. Um, You know, growing up below the poverty line, my mom would often think like middle-class, Working people, they're rich. They like their stuff. And I'm like, no, no, that's not true. <laughs> you know, they're they're working hard. Um, and and they, just because they have a nice car, that doesn't mean they're rich. They probably have a car payment and therefore debt and thus no financial freedom and no wealth. Um, and those are all assumptions. But like that in and of itself is like a myth. Like the nice car, what does Dave Ramsey say? Like the paid off on mortgage is the new BMW, right? Like that's something that I want to achieve. I want to pay off my house and be weird. I don't want to be normal. I don't care about cars and I don't care about titles. I don't care about fashion. I, there's a lot of that I don't care about. Um, but as a young person, those things mattered a lot. And I thought those were the things in the world that portrayed us because as before I knew how the sausage was made in the marketing world. So it's all just a gimmick to get people sucked into these things, right? Everyone's trying to sell you products.
1: Absolutely. And and I can really identify with what you said there. And, you know, I grew up in a ski town and I I grew up a little bit different than you did, where I thought that, you know, we were kind of the poor of the ski town. And then I realized that, well, no, actually, once I came, you know, out of the ski town world, it was like, oh, no, wait, we were actually probably upper middle class, but my dad still taught me one of those things. And that's when it comes to cars. Like, I love the fact that we have two paid off cars and we, it's so much freedom and I'm going to hell or high water. Um, it's going to, one of those cars has to blow up, I should say, before we buy another one. Now we'll see if I actually win that argument with, with my wife. Cause I understand where you're coming from too, where they p- tend to push us sooner than we're ready for it. And, you know, again, I'm with you. I don't want to throw her under the bus. So I, I totally get it because I feel like I am best version of myself because of her. So mm-hmm. last last question here. What is uh something that you were expecting me to ask that I didn't ask?
0: Oh gosh, man, I have no expectations. So I don't know. Um <laughs> I got nothing. No, I got nothing. Nothing. Where'd my Love hair it. go? I don't know.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Well hey man, I, I definitely want to give you an opportunity to plug the stuff that you got going on because I really appreciate your your, your podcast and everything you're doing. So let, let the people know where they can find all your stuff.
0: No, it's nice. I, I appreciate that. Uh, obviously, there's a number of things going on. Um, the focus right now is exponential influence. You can go to expoinfluence.com where I'm doing the micro content marketing as a service. So if anyone needs help with content production, content coaching, um, content consulting, the name of the game for me, where most of my expertise lies, uh if you're a hunter check out the where to hunt podcast broadcast live every week on tuesdays we have a live listener call-in phone number we have a live video chat feature it's a ton of fun we drink bourbon and scotch and uh you know those are the two areas i would point people to if if you have a technology need i suppose i should plug my day job uh swick (laughs) tech that's s-w-s-w-i-c-k-tech.com um we work with fortune 500 companies companies that are publicly traded Uh, All the way down to like, you know, some companies that might have 15 or 20 people. Um, We help in all aspects of IT. We have a help desk, all that stuff. So, you know, it's an area that I also have a ton of experience, just one that I'm probably less passionate about, but I have a lot of knowledge there. So if anyone is trying to figure out how to do DR cybersecurity or anything like that, I, I have a lot of knowledge there and I have a team of 30 people that can help.
1: Awesome. And I don't think you mentioned the new podcast though.
0: Yeah, so it actually lives at the Expo Influence website, but it's okay. called Honest to Goodness. And it's a narrative style. Uh, you, you had mentioned it's very NPR-esque. Uh, I would say I probably pulled some pages from their playbook, as well as uh, cues and uh, another podcast by Reid Hoffman, Masters of Scale. So it's just my own flavor of it and my own take on it and my own way of doing it. But it's pulling a lot of those elements where it's a narrated story, there's cinematic undertones and sound effects that go along to bring it to life. Uh, it's very entrepreneurial focused. So we're interviewing entrepreneurs from around the world and uh, hearing their stories. So I'll interview someone for an hour. But what you hear is only you know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes of story.
1: Uh, that's awesome. Uh, again, I love the format and uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. Thanks for for joining me here. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you more.
0: Cool. Can't wait to listen.
1: This is your host, Dusty DeGroff. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Thanks again and see you next time.